As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and I'm here with Ken McElroy. He is my personal friend, advisor, investor. With I invest with him. We've made millions of dollars together. And he's the author of the Rich Dad books on real estate. So what we're going to be talking about today is an update on the real estate investing, not only in America, but throughout the world. And the real estate market all throughout the world is changing at a high rate of speed. So this is kind of an update but Kenny and I will also be talking about the fundamentals of investing in real estate because these are not ordinary times. And so often I meet people come up to me and they say, hey, I'm jumping into real estate. And I think that's one of the most stupid things you can do. So with that, I want to introduce Kenny, one of my best friends, but also my personal advisor, but also a person that's made me a multimillionaire over and over again. So Kenny, what do you have to say to somebody who wants to just jump into real estate? Well, first of all, I always ask them why, you know, it's <laughs> a lot of people want to, but I think they feel like it's super easy and they can get rich quick. So that's usually the reason they say it. But if it's a, not always, but sometimes it's a long-term strategy. And then if they say that, then I love it because then that's really what it is. It's a long-term strategy of cash flow. Correct. And so let me give you, Kenny and I come from different backgrounds when it comes to real estate. I've never been in the real estate business. I don't have a real estate salesman's license or any of that. So I went and took a real estate course way back in 1973. I was watching a TV infomercial in Hawaii. I was still flying for the Marine Corps. 
And I asked my rich dad, can you teach me about real estate? And he said, that's not my job. Your job is to learn about real estate. So why don't you just teach me? He says, that's not my job. So he says, go learn for yourself. And so I still remember I was at Honolulu. I was flying out of Hawaii and I was watching this infomercial and it says, you too can become a multimillionaire with nothing down investing in real estate. So since I had nothing down anyway, you know, I called up and I said, sign me up. So the course was free, the introductory course was free. And so I strolled into it and it cost $385, which I really didn't have because I was making about $600 a month as a Marine pilot. So $385 was a lot of money, a lot of money for me. But I signed up for the course. I figured out how to get the money as we, we can all do. And I took this three-day course and that's how I started in real estate. And the most important lesson my advisor or the teacher gave me, the guy was sort of like Ken, a real real estate professional. He said to our class, there's about 30 of us in the class, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, your education begins the day you leave this class. And he says, what you do when you leave this class is will determine whether or not you become a real estate investor or not. And his assignment was that each of us in the class had to look at 100 properties, do a one-page evaluation on the property, why it was good or bad, pros and cons of it, in 90 days. The assignment was 100 properties in 90 days, one-page written documents of why it was good or bad, evaluation. Not very sophisticated. And everybody in the class, let's say there's 30 of us, we all agreed we'd all do it. At the end of 90 days, I think five of us completed it, which is usually the stats there are about it. And so let's say 25 dropped out. And that's why they're not successful. So one of the things I, and I was looking for a nothing down piece of real estate, and I found on an island of Maui, which as some of you may know, is some of the most expensive real estate in Hawaii. And I found a one bedroom, one bath condo on the beach. It was $18,000 down. So I gave him my credit card. I put $1,800 down and I made $25 a month. In other words, I made $25 a month with nothing. I used 100% debt. So the course kept the promise that they would teach me how to make money with nothing down, but I had to do the work. So that's how I got started in real estate. So Kenny, how'd you become, get started in real estate? Uh, thanks, Robert. Well, it's interesting. Now people look at us now, you know, we have a billion dollars in real estate and 10,000 apartments and 300 employees, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I started very similarly like you. I was in college 30 years ago and um, my buddy said, hey, would you manage this apartment building, you know, uh, for free rent? And I said, yes, I will because, uh, you know, free rent is good. Uh, and uh, I was, you know, I was racking up student loans and going through school and so the idea of managing a property, it was only 60 units, but I remember um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, collecting rent and maintenance and all that kind of stuff, I was like, how hard can it be? So uh, that was my first experience in real estate, really. And, and the guy who owned the building came, you know, I would deposit all the money and then he would show up and there's nice Mercedes. And uh, he would sit down and he'd go, thank you very much for keeping the property full, you know, and then he would drive off his Mercedes. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, I'm on the wrong side of the desk here. Like something's, off, something's wrong. And I was just finishing school. I was in the business uh, school and um, 
And so really, I just decided at that point, I was going to get my real estate license at the same time. So I started to get my real estate license and um, got that. And then I went to work directly right out of university for a a very large company that does um, commercial real estate and brokerage and land development, property management and all that based in Seattle, which is where I'm from. And boy, did my education start there. I started managing properties. And so for the first 10 years of my career, I, I was managing properties. I probably managed somewhere between 20 and 30,000 uh, apartments up and down the Western United States. And then at some point, I, I decided to uh, start to buy them and own them myself. And, and so I've been doing that for 20 years, uh, but I've been in the real estate business for 30 so the point that Kenny makes, which everybody should listen to there, is that he got his experience. And he got experience not in the acquisition necessarily, but the hardest part about real estate, which is the management. And yes. when I look at people, when I look at people who lose money in real estate, they're pretty good at buying because almost any idiot can buy a property. You have to be very smart to manage the property. And I think and so that's why when Kim and you know when Kim and I started investing in real estate 30 something years ago is that we bought our first property, but she managed it. And that's, and then although she has a business degree, that's when she really started to learn about business is not only, not only acquiring the property was a, was a two bedroom, one bath uh, house in Portland, Oregon, but she learned more by managing it. And I think that's one of the key reasons that people fail at real estate because they can't manage. And so when Kim and I met Kenny and he found out he could manage real estate, he was like a godsend to us. You know, God, we wanted, we really wanted to partner with Kenny. So Kim and I at that time had about 40 rental units. And so Kim asked Kenny, says, Kenny, would you manage my properties for us? And I don't remember if you know what you said to her, Kenny, but you deflated her balloon so hard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it was... It was like, because up to then, we thought we were Donald Trump. We had 40 units, you know. And what did you say to her about? Well, yeah, I I just, you know, what happened is as you evolve and you start to buy properties, at that point, I think when Robert, when you and I met and Kim, um, you know, I had already owned, you know, several thousand units at that time. And we were just handling properties that were 200 units and, and larger. So that was, uh, you know, because it takes a lot of effort to manage anything. So a 40 unit building is hard. So is a 200 unit building, but really they're not that much different. The basics are pretty much the same. And so a 40 unit building is not very profitable or even, you know, a 10 unit or 12 unit or eight unit is not very profitable for any property manager, really. So that's why I had already, you know, been in the business long enough to know that 150 to 200 units is really required for us in order to even make a profit in the management side. So that's one of the biggest lessons that I, if you could listen to what, what the fundamentals are, is start small. And as Kenny knows, Kim is a far better real estate investor than me because she has the management experience. And management of property is the management of people. And when I, was a, when I was a kid starting out when I was 10 years old, one of the first jobs my rich dad gave me, his son and me, Mike, was in Hawaii when we collected rent. <laughs> you haven't lived until you've collected rent. Yeah. 
<laughs> You'll hear every bullshit story, every lie, every victim, everything you could ever think about. And so Mike and I be pounding on these doors as little kids and say, hey, you're 30 days, your rent's behind. And then you hear lie, cheating, stealing, BS, and all this stuff. And the hard part was, if we didn't collect the rent, I, we had to go talk to Rich Dad. So the question for Mike and May was, which is worse, this tenant or Rich Dad? And finally, we grew some backbone, or what the Mexicans call some cojones, and we started pressing the guys for the rent. And it was even worse when they totaled it. You know, sometimes we peek in the unit and these guys had dogs and chickens and cats and donkeys inside their units. And they were destroying the property. And that's when you really start to understand management. So Kenny, is, is that true today? I mean- uh, Yeah, yeah. So as, as you know, the backstory of how Kim and Robert and I met was, I, I was already in the business full on. And um, I actually read, I was raising money and uh, this guy said to me, hey, you should meet Robert and Kim because we uh, both lived in Phoenix at the time. And uh, I went down, I read your book the, before I met with you, Robert, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I said, oh, I want to know, you know, get in this guy's head and figure it out. And this was brand new. The Rich Dad, Poor Dad was just out. It wasn't the big hit that it is now. But I remember in the book, you actually said the most important person on your team is a property manager. Yep. And, and so I had actually never read that before because I knew. Now, <laughs> keep in mind, I was in the trenches at that time. And most what happened in my world was people would buy real estate. Uh, you know, I, had, I have a great story of a guy that he had a property that was 75 units, fully rented, cash flowing like crazy. He was out on a sailboat. He lived in San Diego. And a broker convinced him to sell that and to buy a 140 unit in Mesa, Arizona. Okay, so he did that. It's called the 1031 tax deferred exchange. But I, here's, what, here's what I remember the most. He called me the day they were closing. <laughs> he said, we need a manager. And, and unfortunately, this is what happens. So what he really needed was a property manager to actually look at that 140 unit in Mesa and tell him whether it was a good deal or not. Because the broker, they're just working for commissions. The property managers, they're the ones that actually have to make it perform. And so what happened was he was so far behind, he was already committed and he had to close. And so he ended up buying it. And here's the, here's the problem. The property was filled with a bunch of bad things. So we, we actually had, it was already had a lot of vacancy. It had a lot of deferred maintenance. And in addition to that, we had to, evic we had to um, evict a number of people that weren't paying rent. Cause you know, why would you rent to anybody that can't pay? And so pretty soon the occupancy on that thing was like 60, 70%. And so then you guess what he did? He fired us. <laughs> You know what I mean? He's like, oh, it can't be my fault. You know, and I'm like, dude, like, you know, you, you, know, you bought a mess. And so we'll, we'll clean it up for you. And it took a while. It took like eight or 10 months. But finally, I, he was trying to, pro, you know, project back onto me, like as if I had something to do with it. I'm like, all I'm trying to do is fill this thing up with good people. You know, and he's like, well, now I'm like flying over to Phoenix all the time. I'm working all the time. I go, dude, you sold a hundred percent occupied boat uh, uh, property that had a lot of cash flow. You're sitting out on your boat and now you're flying to Phoenix and you bought this property that's, you know, a in a borderline area. It's your own fault. 
He didn't want anything to hear about it. And the, the point is, is that, you know, people, like you said in the beginning, Robert, it's easy to buy something. It honestly is easy. You know, if, if, you, if you have money or you can, you know, or you have a, uh, you know, there's lots of money being thrown at real estate right now. It's not that hard to get money. Having money can be very dangerous, you know, and so people are doing that right now. And this is a, that was a great example where a guy, you know, he just, he, he had, he had a comfortable life. And then all of a sudden it was riddled with, and he fired the, the property manager after that. And then after that, and then he ended up selling the property again for a loss. And some, and sometimes those are your best investments. Yeah, I know. I know. I wish I, I wish I was just managing property at that time. And I wish I would have had the cash because I would have went in and swooped in and, and uh, bought that thing because it, it really, you know, it takes a while to turn around a property. You know, in some cases, it's taken me a year, year and a half on big ones. You know, we have a we have a 680 unit property in San Antonio, Texas, for example. It was, I think, remember you and I went to it. There was 300 yeah. units. There were 300 vacant when we bought wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. What's worse than that? <laughs> it was the worst property I've ever seen. We walk into the first unit. All the walls are taken out because they, they took all the wire out of it. And sitting in front of the fireplace was the toilet. I'm looking at that and I said, and Kenny says, God, this is a good deal. <laughs> I said, there's an effing toilet sitting in front of the fireplace. All the drywall is taken out. All the electrical, all the copper wire is taken out. And there's no carpet. And I said, Kenny says, this is the best deal he's ever seen. This is the worst I've ever seen. So that, but the guy I listened to was the guy that turned the property. What was his yep. name? Ken. His name was Ken also. Ken. Yeah. Remember? And yeah, no, you're right. He, he was the property manager. Yeah. He looked at this thing and says, this is a, he said to me on the side, he says, this is the best deal I've ever seen. I said, either you guys are nuts or I'm, I'm blind. I'm missing something here. And that turned out to be one of the best cash on cash returns we have. Still in the last 10 years, it's been the best deal that I've been able to buy. You know, we bought it for 25 million. Uh, we got the bank to write down another three. So our, our basis was like 22. And then uh, we put seven into it and now it's worth over 60. And, and we got our money back. And, and the bank loans you the money to rehab it, right? Yes, right, right. So that's, and that's the, that is actually the power of real estate investing is seeing that, you know, as you say, Robert, a lot, you say, you know, deals are done in your mind. You know, it's something that you see that no one else sees. And I, I knew in two years, I would be able to turn that property around, put new debt on it, get, it, get all the investor money back and own it free and clear, or as we like to say, infinite returns. Yeah, the infinite return is we get money, but we have no money in the deal. Right, we still own that building. We have 30 million in equity in that deal, just the one. And it kicks off about 800,000 a year in cash flow, and we have no money in the deal. And that's a property that we own right now today. And because it's real estate, we get to write off the depreciation, amortization, and appreciation. So right, it's, right. It's really a great deal. The point here, as I want to make, is this, is that if you can't do that, you should stick with stocks and bonds. Because there's one word about property that is bad. Property is not liquid. In other words, the moment you buy it, you own it. And if you've made a mistake, and it's SS Titanic, you're going down with it. So that's why you better know what you're doing before you buy it. Because if you make a mistake, you can't sell it. And that's what I see happening to so many people. They just jump into real estate thinking it's a mutual fund or an ETF. 
or an RAIT, but then they can't get out of it because it's illiquid. And so that's why real estate requires much more financial education and real life education than stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Any comments on that, Kenny? Yeah, I think that probably the, the, the thing that I would just want all the listeners to know is that before I buy something on, I mean, literally before we close on it, we already know what the value is going to be in year one and year two and year three. And we already know how we're going to get our equity back. And it's almost never via sale, almost never. So in other words, we don't buy to sell. We buy to hold in cash flow, and it's a very different philosophy. And that takes a tremendous amount of experience and education. And a team to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's so worth it, you know. But the thing is, is even if you don't know how to do it, you, you know, there are lots of people that will help assist you in that. Remember, I was telling you about my billboard story, you know, you know how we're buying billboards. I didn't know anything about billboards, but there's lots of people that know them. There's lots of people that, that put ads on them. There's lots of people that own them. There's lots of people that manage them. Uh, but honestly, a year ago, I didn't know anything about them. And now we're buying them, as you know, because they're real estate. And um, but, so I just found the people that could help me understand it. That's all. And they're out there and these people are everywhere. And that's the mistake the guy from San Diego made is that he just thought, well, I can roll my money from my San Diego property into one in Phoenix and it's going to do the same thing. And, you know, I don't really need a team. I don't really need, I don't need to understand it because it's going to be full just like the one I have. What's well, not the case. He bought it in a very bad area. And so you have to have that team. We'll be right back. Thank you. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hey everyone, it's Sarah, your favorite producer here at the Rich Dad Radio Show. You've heard Robert say time and time again that the old rules of money are dead, and right now the world is in horrible economic shape. It's filled with uncertainty, and it's high risk for anyone who doesn't understand what's really going on. If you don't understand the new rules of money and you're not prepared for what's coming, it could be devastating to your financial future. Robert's stated mission has always been to elevate the financial well-being of humanity, and that's why he's personally hosting a free, one-hour online seminar called The New Game Plan for Achieving Financial Freedom, where he'll discuss his proven strategies everyone should be using today but aren't. It'll help you navigate these uncertain times and take advantage of what could be some of the biggest opportunities any of us have ever seen. And when you register now at richdadworld.com forward slash new rules, you'll also get Robert's new free ebook, The New Rules of Money. 
Don't miss this limited time opportunity to understand the new rules of money and take advantage of these unprecedented times. Robert's seminar is free and his new ebook is free. Simply register to attend at richdadworld.com forward slash new rules. That's richdadworld.com forward slash new rules. And there's one more thing that I learned the hard way is that um, when a salesman, a real estate broker, and as I would say, the reason they call them brokers is because they're broker than you are, and they have to sell you this property. And it's not against the law, law to lie. So they'll give you all these numbers called pro forma. And a lot of times pro forma really should begin with the words once upon a time or in a perfect world. <laughs> They're lies. So Kenny, when I if I was a if you were looking at a property like my the building I'm in right now that I own, and I gave you a performa, you know, the, the sales the broker gave you a performa, would you believe the numbers? Well, no. You know, there's there's several reasons. Um, you know, I always I always take the position that they're, um, you know, that they may, maybe they are trying to lie, but I always take the position that they just don't know the property. And uh, so a broker doesn't understand management generally. Most of them, some of them do, some of their very good ones do, but most of them don't. Most of them are just trying to get a listing and sell it to the next person and move on. And yeah, their commission or, you know, as we like to call it, tips, you know, <laughs> uh, but the, and so, so that's the position I take every single time I take the position. And so I always, you know, because I have the knowledge and the experience that I'm always managing the broker. So I'm always saying, well, I understand that I just had this scenario uh, two weeks ago. I understand that you start your, your first month at 92% occupancy in your pro forma or your budget but the property is at 78% occupied today. So if you buy it today, the beginning number should be 78%, not 92. So how can you, you know, you know what I mean? So you just get into the nuts and bolts of what really is. And so you, what you're always trying to do is you're always trying to buy the property on how it's operating today, period. That's what you want to buy it on. You want to buy it on how it's operating today and then you want to turn it into some value. Well, this is my question because this is what I this is what I was really weak at, which Kim is really good at, is how do you get the real numbers? So when you're yeah. looking at a property, you have the you have the stuff that the the sales sheet the broker gives you, but what do you do next if you're interested to get the real numbers? It's a great question. So here's what we do. First of all, they're almost never correct, as you pointed out when you get them. But the but if you know what the area if you're if you're really studying an area and you understand an area so you know we'll just pick San Antonio like where we were what I knew was even what the broker had was lower than what the market was so it's the equivalent of seeing a you know a two hundred thousand dollar house in an area where everything's selling for two fifty or something like that except it's on the red side so. So I already knew that, but I actually, as you pointed out, I already knew it was worse, right? Yeah, you know, I already knew that, the, you know, whatever the broker said it was, because what the brokers do is they take whatever the last few leases were, even, even that might be wrong, and then they make, say, okay, that's what the whole property is. Well, really, there's what we call legacy issues where you got 
tenants that have been in there one year, two year, three year, five year, in this particular case, even longer, their rents might be one, two, three, four hundred dollars under the market. And so what you have to do is understand that there's a lot of room there. And so what we do is if we see that there's a lot of market lift, even from what the broker says to what the market is, then we like to go in and make an offer. And, uh, and then from there we get into due diligence and that's where the magic happens. So we will, we'll pull every single lease on every single file. So on the property that you visited, Robert, um, the backstory of it is, you know, of the 350 units or plus or minus that were occupied, we pull every single lease and we do our own rent roll and we figure out what our own rents are. You know what I mean? And so that's what we did. And then we put together our own projections based on our due diligence timeframe. So for, so for those of you who listen to this thing, if you're just starting out in real estate, don't jump in, don't start with a hundred units. You know, maybe start with a duplex or four units and then you'll learn more from those four units and if you've made some serious mistake you might be able to get out quicker but when people buy a large properties they can't get out that's when the whole thing comes out like a house of cards so that's 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 what i enjoyed about kenny working with him because i learned more from bad properties than from pristine properties and so anything else would you suggest that people look at and do before jumping in? Yeah, well, I think what happens is, um, you know, what you want, the biggest thing for me is you can make, sometimes you can even make a mistake on the buy in a real estate market. Like, in other words, you know, maybe you're buying in at, at and you're not getting a great deal, but if the market itself is really jumping, you know, like, uh, like Phoenix right now, as you know, Robert is one of the fastest growing, Arizona was the fastest growing state in the, in the country last year. Uh, well, okay, so that's a result of a lot of job growth, a lot of population growth, and people are moving here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's but also that does, California, people leaving California. That's right, yeah, because of tax and high expenses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so you, what you can take a look at, sometimes that will save you. So in other words, sometimes demographics, when there's stress on supply and demand, so there's more people moving to Arizona than there are housing, let's say, well, then housing's gonna go up, period. Rents are gonna go up, land prices are gonna go up. All that's gonna go up because there's a lot of people trying to buy in an area that has, you know, small demand. Uh, it can work the other way around, as you know, like in Detroit, you know what I mean? When everybody moved out, um, not everybody, but you know, when the manufacturing stopped and blah, 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 and all of a sudden, the real estate started to go down. So sometimes you can buy in a market and the market can save you, but you really need to understand both. The, um, so for, for those of you, please pay attention because Remember our friend, uh, Richard Tan? <laughs> yeah, I remember this. <laughs> he's, he's the funniest guy in real estate I've ever seen. He's, a, he's such a dear friend of ours, but we, we're just friends because we need some entertainment in this business. <laughs> remember so, we were on stage in Singapore and yeah. uh, he put that uh, map up on the, behind us? Yeah, this is the guy here, this story. So Richard says, yeah, I did, I did what you guys advised. I'm investing in America. And what was this mistake, Kenny? Okay, so first of all, he's like, <laughs> we're on stage and he's happy. Remember this? He was yeah. so excited. Thousands he's like, I finally, bought some, I finally bought some real estate. 
And uh, so well, the first piece that he bought was he bought uh, a, um, a church, remember? Yeah. And then he, I said, oh, great. So that, that's, that could be a good investment. How much is the church paying you? Well, I felt bad <laughs> charging a rent. <laughs> so, so he bought the building, but he didn't have any income. <laughs> so that, that was the first thing. <laughs> because Richard, Richard and Veronica Tan, are the, they're true Christians. And I, I, I reserve those words for true Christians. They really are. They practice yep. what they preach. They're very good people. Incredible people. Very incredible. So, but it was funny because I said, well, okay, well, Richard, when you buy some real estate, it's okay that you bought a church and let them rent free. That's fine. But, but it's not necessarily going to be a good deal for you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, unless the church goes up over time, but the, on the one that was that, 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 that he showed the picture of the United States and keep in mind, we're in Singapore. And um, he's like, had a dot. He said, I bought a property right here. I remember we turned around and we looked at it on the screen. And uh, I said, I go to Richard, I go, Richard, I think that's Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was Mexico. He bought a property, he thought in North America, but it was in Mexico. It wasn't even in the United States. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but this is a guy with money that, you know, just sent his money, wired his money around and bought properties uh, unknowing that, uh, and he also bought, an, I remember he bought a hotel that was half finished and all this stuff. It's that, you know, so there's a lot of people that do that. A lot of people that right. throw their money around like that. So Richard, the good news is Richard's gotten a lot smarter because you know, the way we all get smarter is by being stupid. We've all been stupid, made our mistakes. So he's become very, very successful. But Richard has one bad habit. He starts big. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Our lesson is start small. Yeah. Mistakes are smaller. So the other yeah. point we can get on with this is that markets are always changing. And, you know, Kenny, one thing I respect about Kenny as a real professional, you're always attending seminars and classes and, you know, things like that. I remember the last time, I, one of the last times I talked to you, you went to a real estate seminar run by millennials who are teaching how to use uh, yeah, information uh, AI. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I flew to Seattle. Um, you know, it's cool because sometimes when I do go to those, they want me to speak. And so I did speak up there with the uh, bigger pockets and a bunch of guys, you know, because there's a whole generation coming up behind me. Um, and uh, it's so fun to watch. And, and so they're trying to figure out how to do more with less, you know, through uh, apps and cell phones and things like that. And the, the fact is, is that the real estate industry, largely, even property management is antiquated. You know, it's a lot of paper and a lot of this and a lot of that. And so these guys were fascinating to hear, you know, they were, these guys were managing hundreds of houses, you know, all automated, you know, with apps and property management uh, tools on their phones. And it was, for me, it was really eye-opening. And the great thing is I, I was able to come back because we have a property management company as well. That's one of the majority of our employees are that. Um, and I was able to sit down with the, the CEO of our company and, and, and start to overhaul our whole company and say, hey, how do we automate more? How do we automate all the way how do we make it easier for the resident? How do we make it easier for the property managers and easier for the investors so that everybody can see everything and be super transparent? So it was exciting. Okay. And then, you know, markets are always changing, but, you know, around 2006, 2007, you know, we, had, we didn't have as many properties as we do today. 
but people were leaving our properties to buy these giant homes. I mean, Ken and I were sitting there, our vacancies are going up because people are leaving to buy these Mac mansions they can't afford. Remember that? Oh boy, do I ever. Yeah, we, I remember because we screen all of our residents, obviously, you, you want to, so you have to. You, you, you basically, they pay you to run their credit and you want to, obviously, if you're going to rent something, you want to rent it to somebody that can afford it. And so, you know, we get all their data, you know, we know where they're working, we know, you know, their past credit history, all that kind of stuff. And so at the same time that we're actually denying some people, those people who are actually buying condos and houses. So the people that we were actually denying to move in as a renter. Uh, and so that's what, remember, I remember you and I were sitting there and I said, oh, uh, Robert, I'm telling you what I'm seeing at, at, the, uh, at the occupancy level is that we're, we're actually seeing people with pretty bad credit that, are, um, that can't even really afford to pay rent uh, that are actually buying homes right now. And I said, this is gonna turn into some kind of a big, bigger problem. We'll be right back. So I remember, you know, it was kind of frightening because our vacancies are going up. When vacancy goes up, you know, uh, cash flow goes down for us. And all we could say was, let's just wait because something's going to happen. And when it happens, we'll move back in. Yeah, and that's what we did. So, yeah, so it 2008. Took, yep, it took years, but it did happen. Yep. So when Lehman Brothers came down in September 2008, that was kind of a sign from God because that's when we moved in and fast. That's because prices of real estate were coming down and interest rates were coming down. Yeah, yeah. It was a perfect storm, wasn't it? It was, it was. You know, it's interesting because all if you really want to get super simple about what happened, people were given people money that couldn't pay it back, period. That's what happened. And that all of a sudden everything fell. That's why they call it the big short. Being you know, people that recognize that, uh, you know, you can give anybody money anytime. You can give a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, a million bucks. If they can't pay it back, there's a default. And that's actually what happened on a big, big scale. So what happened after the crash? So that's when all the banks and institutions started taking those, that real estate back. And so. Wasn't that when you made some of the best buys ever? Absolutely. That's, you know, that's when we fought, saw that San Antonio property, you know, that was owned by uh, Bank of America. They had lent on that and uh, it was 50% occupied and, and it was what we would call bank owned. And, and uh, you know, so yes, that's when you see all those things. It's incredibly difficult at that time though, Robert, as you know, to buy because they're, everybody's hunkering down. Everybody's scared. Everybody's hunkering down on their money. The investors are going, real estate's a terrible, terrible time. And so that's when you have to have your team together. You have to have your systems together and you have to be ready for that. And that's what most people miss. Most people jump in when all that's fixed, you know, and, and, you know, I remember, I, I remember we were joking. I said, you know, when, when, when the, the checkout person at target, is giving me a real estate tip as I'm Christmas shopping. I said, there's a problem. Or you're hearing at a lot of cocktail parties, the party's over folks, you know, at that time. And, and, you know, and right now it's kind of the same time is, 
even though I, I still think we have a lot of run in, in the market in, in some areas, not all, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a dangerous time to come into the market. And that's what I was getting at is because when Ken, this is in 2007, 2008, everybody was flipping houses. And that's when, you know, I was talking to Kenny and he says, I don't flip. And I said, I don't flip either because Kenny and I are cash flow people. We want the property to pay us an income for the rest of our lives or as long as we hold the property. Well, all these people that were jumping in were flippers. So they want to make the quick buck. And my concern is that's kind of where we're at today. And I was looking at the real estate section of the Wall Street Journal and New York Times. And people are just euphoric because the prices are at all time highs, just like the stock market, the NASDAQ, S&P at all time highs right now. And that's when the amateurs jump in, which includes real estate. So the part I wanted to get to today is ask Kenny what you're looking for, because I think we're more cautious now in 2020 than we were in 2008. Oh, I, I'm more scared. I am more scared now than I was in 2008. In 2008, I was just glad it was crashing. So, yeah. How much more room do we have in this particular market and, and where are we? And if you look at the money that it's backing off, you know, rents are topping, occupancies are not as high as they were, cap rates are starting to go up, capitalization rates, as you know. Uh, we sold that big portfolio of ours, Robert, almost $300 million worth of stuff in the last 14 months. And our cap rates were in the low fours, 4.2, which is really low. And so, you know, if you don't understand cap rates, then you better be careful because they're important as you invest. And so what we're starting to see. I'll give people the definition of cap rate you gave me. A cap rate of four means if a property is a million dollars and you put a million dollars in, the return is four. Is that how you? That, yeah, that's pretty close. Yes, it's good enough. And so what happens though, is that 4%, whatever it might be, that's generated from the property from the net operating income, which is another formula, which is basically expenses after income. And so what happens though, is if that cap rate goes to five, then what happens is the value of the property goes down. And you have to jump. If you think about this, four to five, the ratio is 20%. You actually have to grow your net operating income by 20% just to break even. And a 20% growth in net operating income is super hard to do. And so that's what's happening right now is we're watching these cap rates and people are buying at three and 4%. And if the cap rates go down at all and there's any softness, especially with interest rates, then I'm telling you that these properties are not worth what people are paying today. And all of a sudden they're going to be underwater with their mortgages or their, the things they are not going to cash flow like they should. Right. So in spite of prices being high, the market being volatile and all that, are there still opportunities out there? There are, I got to tell you, you know, it's interesting. I just, on my podcast, I just had a guy that's investing in mobile home parks as an example. And, you know, mobile home parks were not even on the radar. People weren't even talking about them years ago. But let me tell you what they are. They're land plays covered by rent. And, you know, these are affordable places. And so they're buying these things, you know, 100, 200, 300 unit mobile home parks. And they're, you know, the rents are six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month. You know, they don't actually own, sometimes they bring their own and they stick it there, but they get basically a rent for the space. 
and you know the people own their own place or in some cases they don't own their own place and they just charge them rent the point is is that more and more and more people are moving to what i would call affordability that's one of the big things you know is you know affordability and rent control all that stuff's coming robert as you know it's already here so anyway well thank you for your time thank you for your education there's always an opportunity out there you've got to be a professional at this so any final words would you say to somebody who's thinking about jumping into real estate what would your final words be buy your three books of course start with that it's cheaper than yeah yeah education payment education is everything you know as you know robert honestly Find yourself some mentors, find yourself a group of people that are like-minded and like to study. Even I, Robert, you know, you and I, we study a lot. You know, awesome. that's why I created the, the KenMacro.com, the videos and all that stuff, so people could just go on there and study and learn and from real experts. That's where, you know, you can only get so much out of a textbook, though, and you can only get so much out of a video. You actually have to go out and like you did with your stuff in Maui, you know, and go out and actually learn, you know, that's how you really learned. But do that first before you spend your money or somebody else's money. And, you know, because the market's not always going to go up. So I thank all of you for watching uh, Kenny and myself discuss this very important subject called real estate. When people say, you know, do what you love, I really think it's also invest in what you love. And I really love real estate, which is going to be a problem because I bought some really bad real estate because I loved it. <laughs> so, I mean, if you love it, study it, be a professional, have mentors, and I think make it a lifelong plan to keep acquiring real estate. So thank you, Kenny. Yeah, thank you, Robert. Always great chatting with you. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.